Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached July 31st, 2011 by Dan Freed and is entitled, It Was Barred. Enjoy. Now, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Let's, let's read the text together. <clears throat> and the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. And let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he, Elisha, answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down the wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, but it, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful story, the mercy that you recorded here in the Old Testament. And we just praise you for being a great and a powerful God. And we just pray that this story could come alive in our minds and our hearts and that we could trust you more and love you more and serve you better and that we could tell others of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the first four verses... I observed that the axe head was loaned for a good purpose. The title of this message is, It Was Borrowed. The axe head was loaned for a good purpose. Axe head and the axe handle together could do a mighty good job in getting a tree into a building. And some of you are carpenters and you know a whole lot more about wood and shaping wood and and these people knew something about it, too. And they, they knew they could not build a new dormitory for this school of the prophets if they didn't have some materials and they didn't have some equipment to get the job done. So this one young man borrowed his axe head. And I don't know if it took a lot of talk or not. Sometimes when you go to borrow something, all you have to do is say, please. Oh, sure, you can, you can have it. It's that quick. Other times it takes a lot of asking, doesn't it? And explaining. And yes, I will take good care of it. Yes, I'll be careful. I won't. I won't. I remember the first time my dad had me, uh, allowed me to drive on a dirt road from the, from the hay field to where this barn was. He, I promised him I would not put the, tr the tr truck out of second gear. I said, no more than second gear. And because uh, I guess he knew something about my right foot and what would happen with the gas pedal. So I promised, yep. And I, I kept my promise to my dad. It was in second gear. And, and uh, anyway, I don't know what conversation went on between this young woodworker, this student, and the person he borrowed it from. But it may have been quite a, a discussion. And maybe there was a lot of promises. That, yes, if, if I... If I ruin it, I will, I will replace it. 
It was loaned for a good purpose. Everything we have is really borrowed from someone, isn't it? From God or from someone else. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything we have is borrowed. We don't think about it that way, but we should. Everything we have is on loan from God from someone, or from someone else, from God to them, to us. I was scared and excited as I sat at my little desk in 1970. I was in first grade at the Danville Christian School, and this was my first day in first grade. But I was given some curriculum to read, and in, in the reading... There was only one word uh, for that day. It was G-O-D, God. And then the second day, it was God made light. And the story of creation was our reading curriculum. And I think what the writers of the Rod and Staff curriculum were trying to do was get those young, get the young children, get us to think about how God is really the center of everything. God was the center of creation. And, and what better word to learn to read than, than God? And God made light. And God made everything good. Everything is held together by God. And you know, all of our lives, we, we have uh, central things we think about, we talk about, we focus on. And what God wants us to do is center our choices, our thoughts, our lives on him. And that's such a challenge. Elisha was the kind of person who centered his life on God. He was an incredible man. We could go back into 1 Kings where he was called by Elijah to take up the prophet's role. Elijah was so discouraged, he wished he were dead. He was almost suicidally depressed. And God gave him some encouragement and said, you're not alone. There's others who haven't, haven't turned to Baal. There's at least 7,000 people who are still worshiping me. And among them, there's a man named Elisha. And you're to anoint him. And he is to carry this message forward. And you're to anoint a couple other kings too, which actually Elijah didn't get done, but Elisha did years later. So Elisha followed Elijah for a number of years, maybe six or eight years. It doesn't exactly say, but they worked together. And Elijah was getting older and he knew his time was to go. And Elisha... Didn't want to let him go. And he kind of asked, Elijah kind of asked Elisha, let me go. You stay here. And he said, no, I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. And finally it boiled down to Elisha said, I'm not going to let you go unless I get a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, you've asked a very hard thing, but if you see me go, you will get what you requested and you know the story it was an exciting story how Elijah didn't die he actually went to heaven on a chariot and Elisha saw him go and Elijah's coat his mantle was uh, left behind as he went up and Elisha picked up that mantle and a double portion of God's spirit was on him and these students were so excited to be around him because Elisha's life centered around God and that's God's will for every Christian. That when we show up at school or at work or at home, 
that our lives bring a presence of Jesus with us. Oh, that my life, my choices were centered on God. Oh, that all my responses were centered on his love, his kindness, his mercy, his forgiveness. So God is not only the source of everything good, he's the centerpiece. Romans 11, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. God's the source, the centerpiece, the sustainer of all things. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. That's from Hebrews 1. And he shared all this power and wonderfulness with us, at least in a measure. 2 Peter 1, 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Some of you were here last Sunday when we heard about the knowledge of God. And what a blessing it is to know God and to live for him. So our first four verses are centered, I believe, around, it is the story, but my thoughts on these first four verses is everything good is borrowed from God. So we should be good caretakers of what is borrowed. We should be humble with what is borrowed. First Corinthians 4 says, What hast thou that thou hast not received? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? So anything you have that's good, you got from God. Some of you children, I'm sure, can run fast, can climb high, and can do a lot of amazing things. You young men have a lot of strength, a lot of abilities. But anything we have, ability to run, to do schoolwork, to fix things, to hold a job, to sew, to cook, to care for children, to sing, to teach a Sunday school lesson, to organize a work project, it's all borrowed. Those organizational skills, that pleasing personality you think you have, that ability to get along with others, what you gave in the offering today, prayer, reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, memorizing the Bible, sharing the Bible with others, leading a soul to the Savior. Wow, we just heard about that in Canada. What a blessing that Sister Ruth had to lead someone to Christ. It's all borrowed. She can't brag about it. We should be humble with what is borrowed because it's not ours. It's from God. Just loaned to us. Even the air we breathe and the water we drink is loaned to us from God. Now verse 5, things turn uh, sour for this young man. He might have been humming. He may have been singing a tune. He may have been praising the Lord, looking forward to a little bedroom of his own or maybe at least a little bunk of his own. And all of a sudden, the axe head flew off. So that's the second point. The first point was the axe head was loaned for a good cause. The second point is the axe head was lost with no hope of recovery. As he was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. This, when I was studying this uh, last year, I spent a little time studying this and I, I had another memory from the 1970s. It was a little later in the 1970s. It was a hot day. I think it was in August. Uh, I have an, an older brother. He's a year older than me. And we enjoyed uh, trying to swim in the creek. We had dammed up 
section of the creek and the, the water was somewhere between three and, and four feet deep. It was, it was cold, but it was refreshing, especially on a hot day. And we had a large inner tube from a tractor tire. And on top of the inner tube was a pallet, like a forklift would use. And we had that, I think, somewhat tied to the, the inner tube. And we were standing on top of it, both of us, and we had ropes, little ropes tied to the pallet. So if you get the picture, uh, two boys facing each other on a pallet, each holding on a rope. And, and we were enjoying bouncing on the water and seeing who could stay on the longest. Well, my brother, being older and more athletic, uh, somehow he stayed on. I went under, which wasn't a problem. But the problem, because I could, I could swim, and it really wasn't that deep. But the problem was my glasses couldn't swim. And so... We started searching, and it was deep enough, you know, to really feel the bottom. You kind of had to go under water a bit. So we were digging in the mud and couldn't find them. And so eventually, parents were informed, and they came and helped. And some of the rocks from the dam were removed, and the water was lowered. And then someone had the idea, well, we could borrow a sub-pump. It wasn't a big creek. We could pump some of this water out, too. If we get this water down, certainly we can find the glasses. Well, some hours later, the glasses still weren't found. I grieved the loss. My parents grieved the loss. And yet another pair of glasses had to be bought for Daniel. The, my point is, the axe was lost with no hope of recovery. We should grieve the loss of God's gifts. And this man is a good example of that. This boy lost the axe. I don't hear him saying it was a piece of junk anyway. The thing was on its last leg. I don't, I don't hear any of the others saying, well, if you would have been more careful with your aim, not swing so hard and reckless, this wouldn't have happened. Instead, he went to Elisha, and that's an example for us. When we realize we've lost something that's valuable, we should go to God. Elisha is kind of a type of the Holy Spirit, I think. He was in touch with God. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they're, they're part of God. They're in touch with God. And so in prayer, we should go and grieve the loss. That could be called repentance, couldn't it? We're sorry we lost out we've lost in a relationship we've lost maybe even something is like prayer prayer is so important to go to god and say god i'm just not praying like i should be i'm not hungry for your word like i should be seems like i've lost the hunger for your word i've lost a desire for prayer we should grieve and we should go to god we should ask god what to do how to find what is lost. Luke 1.37, the angel spoke to Mary and said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. See, we're tempted when we lose something to lose hope. And we think, well, this situation is just too hopeless to even pray. In Sunday school, uh, Brother Joe mentioned when he had meningitis, he felt like, when he woke up, was kind of like Jonah. Must have fell in the belly of the whale. He just felt terrible. And that reminded me of Mel Swigert. He was a friend in South Carolina. 
who uh, lost his job for, oh, I think, a month and a half or two months because he lost his ability to lose his, use his back. His back went out on him. He had terrible back pain, and he couldn't, he couldn't work, and he tried different remedies, and things just got worse and worse. And finally, he went to surgery with hopes that he could recover function of his back. Well, after surgery, he developed an infection through the wound, and he got meningitis, infection around the spinal cord and up to his brain, and he felt terrible. And so the church was called to, we went to church with him, and the church was called on him, called to pray for Mel, because it might, it might be that he won't live. He is so sick with this meningitis. Well, God heard the prayers, and Mel recovered. And later Mel said, I think it was in the men's Sunday school class, he said, I found out when I had, when all I had left was God, I found out that all I needed was God. And so, I don't know where you are with your losses right now. We've all had losses of different kinds. But when you hit rock bottom, like Mel did, and found out there was nothing left but God, nothing left but a prayer. Mel found out that's all he needed was God. So Elisha, who was in touch with God, he knew what to do. And sometimes as Christians, we need a, a friend like Elisha. Maybe you need to go to your parents or, or to some spiritual person in the church, Sunday school teacher. Go to the pastor and say, I need help because things are not where they need to be. I've, I've lost out. And Elisha, the third part of this, uh, third point in this message is that the axe head was located and restored. So Elisha led this man, verse 6 and 7, or the man led Elisha to, to where this thing was lost. Where did, where did you lose it? And sometimes there's a lesson, I think, here for us. We need to go back and think, well, why? Why don't I have a hunger for God's word? Why am I not praying? And we need to ask God those questions. And sometimes we need to ask a trusted friend. Why is it that this relationship fell apart? We need to go back. Now, we, we can't live in the past. And some Christians, I think, take an extreme view that, well, we're not going to go back. We, that's all in the past. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. And, uh, the past, one of the pastors at the church we came from, Claire Heatwell, uh, some years ago, I was trying to deal with some things from my past. And, <clears throat> and he said, and I think this was very wise advice, if things in the past are still bothering things in the present, then you need to take time to go back and look at them and deal with them. And so there is a time to go back and to the past, not to live in the past, not to dwell in the past, but to go back and say, where did we lose this? What happened? What went wrong? And so that's good for Sunday school teachers. That's good for parents who are struggling, saying, well, you know, it seemed like I used to be able to teach better. It just teaching is not going well, or parenting is not going well. Probably any parent that's honest that's here can say, there's times that you say, parenting is not going well. What is wrong? 
So we need to go to God and ask him, what is wrong? Where did I lose the love I should have for my child? Where did I lose the ability to parent? And God is a good God. He doesn't want to withhold blessings from us. He wants to help us. And so that was the case in this story. They stood by the Jordan River and the man said, it flew in somewhere here. And so Elijah threw the stick in somewhere there and lo and behold, a miracle happened. The axe had floated or swam, it said, swam. That's interesting. When I think about a fish, and I've seen some fish kind of swim to the top, maybe even jump out. But this, this one, though, was at the top of the water, maybe right above the water, swimming. There it was. Maybe it even came swimming toward shore. Because I understand, from what I read on the Jordan River, not only was muddy, it tended to be deep and rather fast-flowing. So it's not, it's not the kind of river that, that this uh, prophet boy could have stepped in and been digging around. It was dangerous. I like to think that maybe it swam to the top and it swam along the top right toward shore. And Elisha, the boy must have been surprised because Elisha had to tell him what to do next. Reach out, pick it up. And so he did. And he had a story to tell from then on, didn't he? Like we were singing in the last song, there was mercies to record. His mercies to record. And we Christians have a story to tell of our lives, how God has helped us, how he's forgiven us of all our sins, how he's brought beauty out of ashes. And that's what he did this day. It went from a lost axe head to one that was found by a miracle. So we need to go back to where the loss occurred and pray. Then we must trust and obey God to restore the loss. God is able to restore. Many times God limits the reaping. We know there is a law of sowing and reaping. If we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. But many times in his mercy, he limits the judgment and the consequences that we face. And he's able to give grace. He's able to give us help. He calls us to the cross of Jesus where we can be forgiven and healed. The, one of the children answered the question, did the stick make the uh, iron swim? They said, no. God did. Did the wood of the cross of Jesus save us? No. But the wood of the cross of Jesus was an instrument, even as this stick was, a symbol. It was part of God's plan. It was the blood of Jesus, the lifeblood of Jesus that was shed on the cross that provides the cleansing, the atonement, the restoration, the healing for us. And so God calls us to the cross of Jesus. And when the cross of Jesus is put over our loss, amazing things happen. So I'd like to leave you today with a word of hope. Maybe you have a situation in your life that seems hopeless. God is able to give grace and help. 
Now, a last point on this acts had located and restored is we can encourage or de discourage each other in this process. Elisha was a great example of encouragement, wasn't he? He said, well, let's, let's go. Let's see what God can do. Job's wife was an example of discouragement. She told Job, yep, it's hopeless, curse God and die. And I think his three friends were an example of, of poor, poor encouragement. Now, the first seven days when they sat there and listened and cried with him, they probably did a good job. But from then on, when they opened their mouths and started explaining the situation, I've been there different times trying to explain the situation. In fact, even recently, I heard a, a wonderful Christian say, you're kind of an answer man, aren't you? Well, that's what Job's friends were. They, they, were, they were the answer man. They were explaining. If you wouldn't have done this or if you would have done that, a lot of times that's not the encouragement that we need. We need to encourage each other that God is able, even though I don't understand the situation. I don't know how God's going to fix it. I know somehow he is able to help. So let's encourage each other in our times of loss. God is able. There's a song, a little worship song called, He is able more than able to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able more than able to handle anything that comes my way. He is able more than able to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able more than able to make me what he wants me to be. So in summary, good gifts, good, good things are gifts from God. Let us be thankful, responsible, and generous with, with what we've been given. Let us grieve our losses, repent of our sins, make confession and restitution, and all of it look to God in faith and obedience. Look to him for forgiveness, for cleansing, for restoration. He is a loving God who is able to meet all of our needs. And finally, let's encourage each other in the process. I was looking in the life songs at a good prayer that might go along with this. It's a song number 113. Dear Lord, take up the tangled strands where I have wrought in vain. I don't know what the, uh, the writer of that song may have been uh, facing, but there must have been some kind of loss, discouragement. And they prayed this prayer. They probably wrote the, the poem before the music. A lot of these good, good poems were written uh, from people's hearts before they were set to music. I don't know the story behind it, but I'm glad it's in our songbook. And Brother Joe, would you, would you lead us at 113 in the life songs? Let's pray this prayer together. You've been listening to it was borrowed, a message by Dan Freed. This podcast is offered for your benefit by the Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Thanks for listening.